When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome. Welcome to Fearless with Jason Whitlock. I am Jason Whitlock, your host. Uh, happy Friday uh, to you and yours. The weekend is here. We've made it through another week successfully. Uh, and wow, are we going to try to end things with a bang? Uh, we're going to try to start a fire and have uh, Royce White and Delano Squires come in and fan those flames. And then me and Uncle Jimmy will sit around the grill and enjoy the meal that we just cooked. Uh, with an appro approval rating. So it's Jason Whitlock, Royce White, Delano Squires, and Uncle Jimmy. That's the fearsome foursome. That, that, that's, we got a lot of male energy uh, kicking around on today's show on a Friday to get you through the weekend. Uh, so without further ado, let me start fanning these flames and start a fire and get us all fired up for the weekend. Uh, the left... The left needs Donald Trump more than we do. That's the takeaway from the rapid and shocking collapse of CNN Plus, the stillborn streaming service Cable News Network birthed three weeks ago and pronounced dead on Thursday. Donald Trump is the sun that fuels the left. He is the source of their energy, the God they worship, the justification for their retention of power, the wind beneath their wings. The left needs President Trump far more than we do. Let me define my use of the word we. It represents those of us who are grateful to live in the freest, most fair and successful country on the planet. It represents those of us who recognize that our founding documents, the U.S. Constitution and Declaration of Independence, were biblically inspired and have been the force rooting out the unfairness of man's nature. My use of the word we, in this instance, isn't intended to be politically partisan. It does not connote the political right. It signifies people in their right minds, people who are rational, objective, and believers in truth. Those people, we, we no longer need Donald Trump. That is not stated to denigrate and or criticize America's 45th president. It's stated to convey how far we've come and what he taught us. There was a clear, there was clearly a time, even if some of us failed to recognize it, that we desperately needed President Trump. We needed him to open our eyes to the depth and pervasiveness of America's political corruption. We needed him to expose corporate media's hostility towards the average American. We needed him to inspire us to stand up to the establishment. 
Let me make a movie analogy. You guys know I'm fond of making movie analogies. I'm gonna tell you exactly who Donald Trump was. He was Robin Williams in the movie Dead Poet Society. The eccentric professor shouting carpe diem to teenagers who couldn't resist the force of his personality. The movie climaxed when Robin Williams' character, Professor John Keating, was wrongfully blamed for the suicide of one of his students, Neil Perry. Perry's parents forced the school to fire Keating, devastating the flock of boys inspired by Keating's teachings. The boys staged an impromptu classroom insurrection, shouting, oh, captain, my captain, when Keating briefly returned to the class to collect his belongings. Here's the iconic clip for you young people. I said leave, Mr. Keating. Oh, Captain, my captain. Sit down, Mr. Anderson. Mm. One of the great scenes in movie history, that movie came out in 1989. Donald Trump is the star of Dim's, or I'm sorry, Dead Dim's Society. His final lesson focused on election integrity. It climaxed on January 6th when the establishment assassinated Ashley Babbitt for shouting, oh captain, my captain, inside the Capitol. The establishment blames Trump for Babbitt's death. The truth is, corrupt politicians put Babbitt in harm's way and an inept cop acted incompetently. My point is, we have graduated from Welton Academy, the fictional prep school in Dead Poets Society. Keating taught his students well. He sent arrows into the world. He's, his students no longer needed him. They knew how to seize the day. That's where we are with Donald Trump. We know what to do. The left doesn't. The left is collapsing now that it is being forced to live without orbiting around Trump, the source of its power. Yesterday, we had Joe Concha on the show. Joe made the point everybody profited from the ratings and the clicks with the anti-Trump vitriol. And now that Trump is gone, Everybody's struggling. Everybody on the left. CNN Plus folded. Netflix is hemorrhaging subscribers. Spotify declined to renew its deal with the Obamas. MSNBC's Rachel Maddow suddenly only wants to host her show once a week. Comedian Bill Maher now regularly cracks just as many jokes on liberals as conservatives. Jack Dorsey gave up his Twitter CEO chair and is, the, is a critic of the Twitter board and claims CNN was staging conflict in Ferguson, Missouri during the Michael Brown controversy. When the left has to actually defend its agenda rather than just shout Trump, its insanity takes center stage. Disney is insane. The California-based company wants to dictate political policy in Florida. The Sunshine State enacted a law prohibiting teachers from teaching sexuality and gender to kindergartners through third grade. 
It's a very rational law. It empowers parents, leaving them as the primary groomers of their kids. Disney joined the leftists fighting the law and the empowerment of parents. Disney and the left want public school teachers to groom the sexuality and gender of five-year-olds. The absence of Trump from the White House makes the left's agenda the star of the reality show corporate media broadcast daily. The show is an absolute train wreck. It's satanic. The left's defund the police sitcom has led to a dramatic uptick, uptick in crime and violence. It has now turned extreme leftists against their political allies. New York City Mayor Eric Adams is engaged in a feud with Black Lives Matter. Adams has recently criticized BLM for ignoring the deaths of black people not killed by police. Hank Newsom, the head of BLM New York, called Adams, who is black, a white man in blackface. He did this yesterday on Fox News. Watch for yourself. The subject is African-Americans. I would also argue white lives matter too. Everybody's life matters mm -hmm. here. Um, what, what the mayor contends though is that the same reaction is not given. What would you say to him? It was smooth the way you threw white lives matter in there. Our problem is when black lives are oppressed and don't receive justice, nobody cares, nothing happens. Something happens to a white person, the world moves, right? So um, let's get back to Eric Adams. This, this, this mayor who spews, who is a Democrat, but he spews conservative and Republican talking points. At the end of the day, we have a name for someone like this. And this is someone we call a coon, right? Because of, he's a black man and he's a white man in blackface and a very conservative minded white man at that. So what we have is a man with hundreds of people on the city's payroll, billions of dollars in budget, and 40,000 police officers. He has 10, 10, 10 victims in one night. The night before, he had 16 shooting victims on a train. And they say, what are you gonna do about policing? And he says, what about BLM? Is America not smart enough to see him deflecting? We're smart enough to see when you're deflecting as well, Hank Newsom and you're deflecting. The left is deflecting. The left desperately wants Donald Trump back in office. Now that they can't fight Trump, the left is fighting each other. The modern left isn't about building back better. It's about tearing down everything in sight. The left needs Donald Trump back in the White House more than we do. His existence on the political stage lets Democrats pretend they're a force for good. Without Trump, all the Democrats have left is climate change. Speculating about Mother Nature isn't nearly as profitable or interesting as calling Trump the next Adolf Hitler. I don't know if you caught this, but don't look up. The Leonardo DiCaprio fronted climate change movie? It couldn't bail out Netflix. No one watched. Dead Dim Society is still America's number one movie. The left needs Donald Trump. That's my fire starter. I know there's a lot of Trumpist and MAGA people. Oh, but you know, are, are you criticizing Donald Trump? And I'm not. Again, Donald Trump was Robin Williams in Dead Poet Society. He inspired all of us to wake up 
and to go out and seize the day and to quit going along with the establishment. Donald Trump did his job and he did it so well that now when he steps off the scene, when he's more in the background and the Democrats actually have to defend what it is they stand for and what they're doing, they can't do it. They simply cannot do it. People aren't interested in seeing those lies and that garbage. And so all the little rating success that MSNBC and CNN had during the Trump presidency is disappearing. And now that the left's actual agenda is center stage, front and center, people are repulsed by it. Everybody can see what's going to happen in November as long as the elections are free and fair. They're going to get slaughtered. Once we took Trump out of focus and put them in focus, everybody can see the wickedness of this. Stevie Wonder can see it. These guys are after your kids and the next generation, and they want to take them down a satanic path. They want to take young human beings when they're the most vulnerable and manipulate their sexuality and gender and further confuse them. They want the public schools, teachers, the LGBT crowd, they want the primary responsibility of grooming your kids as it relates to sexuality and gender. It's not their job. That's not the natural order. That's not what God intended. That's not what rational people intended. Even if you don't believe in God, you cannot believe that public school systems and their teachers and these nut jobs with pink and blue hair need to be grooming your children. These nut jobs that have, hey, we need less police and we need to defund the police and we need to make the police the worst villains on the planet. And now your neighborhoods are, are less safe. Crime and violence running out of control. I, I, in no way, I, I'm just telling you, I'm not bashing Donald Trump. I'm celebrating him. Job well done. Job well done. You opened our eyes, and now we can see. And, and just like Robin Williams' character had to step off stage, and those kids had grown up, and they were willing to stand on their desk and defy uh, the system at Welton Academy. That's where I believe we are right now uh, as it relates to Donald Trump and the left and, and their satanic agenda. They need Donald Trump more than we do. We're ready to stand on our own two feet. And so I want to bring in uh, Royce White to further this discussion because part of my thinking on this came not because Royce suggested this, but Royce 
earlier this week said some things fascinating about, hey, let's make sure we give Donald Trump credit for sparking Elon Musk. And, and that got me down a path of, you know, because I don't want to uh, diminish what Donald Trump accomplished. But I, I do want to have the discussion about, has he done all that he can? And is it time now for him to perhaps back away? And I don't know, and so this isn't some sort of rigged conversation. We don't have rigged conversations on this show. I don't know what Royce thinks of my take today and what role Donald Trump should play moving in the future. Half of me hopes that he disagrees with me and we can sit up here and chop it up for 20 minutes, 30 minutes, an hour, an hour and a half. I, I, I really don't care. I just find Royce's thoughts on this interesting and I want to invite him in to the conversation. And so, I, I, Royce, I'm going to start here with a bit of a softball and, and we got plenty of time. You can make any points you want. I don't care whether we agree or not. I just want you to say what you think. Uh, but I want to start here. My position that basically Trump is more of an asset for the left than he is for the uh, right or for conservatives at this point. Well, let me start with this. I got into politics because I'm concerned about my community, that which is most local to me. Um, but I'm also very concerned these days about the survival of America. And, and I don't mean America, the nation, uh, physically, as this country. Uh, I mean the idea of America, the values and the morals and the ethics that are, that are baked into or were baked into the inception of this, this country. Uh, I'm concerned about its survival at this point. Um, th this, this method has historical basis. And I, and I want to lay out the historical basis so we can frame this properly. Adolf Hitler, the Holocaust, and World War II have been used as justification for new world order and globalism. Donald Trump is being used as a scapegoat for authoritarian, church of LGBTQ, anti-human American politics. And I don't say the two to draw a false equivalency because there is no equivalency between Hitler and Donald Trump whatsoever. But I say it to highlight the, the, the gradual dumbnification of the American public. And, you know, it, it used to be, you could say, 80 years ago that you actually had to be a sociopathic, psychotic man who, who tried to ethnically cleanse a, a minority of people at a, at a rate of six to seven million to, to be the, the, the centerpiece of a geopolitical movement. In our time today, you only have to send out tweets that are counter to the narrative. And, and, and really, that's all that Donald Trump has done. So we've, we've dropped the bar so much for the, for the villainy that, that we are fed um, today to, to distract us from the, the bigger picture. Um, you know, in order to manufacture consent, you have to have a scapegoat. The scapegoat at the global level has been the Jewish people and, and what was done, the atrocity done to them here home domestically in America. Uh, black people in our in our history in America is being used as a scapegoat to silence anybody that's a part of this nationalist populist movement. Um, and, and that is the true enemy is the nationalist populist movement. Um, you know, I saw earlier today that uh, a clip surfaced where Barack Obama mentioned Vladimir Putin and Steve Bannon in the same in the same breath. 
Uh, and, and this is not by accident. You know, th- th- all of this is an intentional, an intentional effort to even deeper than the media and their ratings. This is an intentional effort for the state to declare citizens as enemy of the state, as enemies of the state, for having divergent views from the establishment status quo. Um, so, so I support Donald Trump and the fact that he fought the establishment. I support and, and appreciate everything that he illuminated. And I do believe that, that we need him to be the next president of the United States um, because we are in a dogfight for the future of this country, the idea of human freedom, and, and our soul. You love your ending, love everything you said, but I, the contention that he needs to be our president in 2024, yeah. could you elaborate on why you believe that as opposed to someone like Ron DeSantis? I just don't, first of all, I appreciate everything Ron DeSantis has done. Um, I think he's a truth teller as well. You, you still have to acknowledge and remember that there is a civil war in the Republican Party as well, and that conservatism, the, the, the history of conservatism, when it hit the scenes with Nixon, you could say, in the, in the, in the 60s, uh, around that area, there was a split in the conservative movement. You had libertarian conservatives and you had moral conservatives. The libertarians said, we want small government, we want government out of our, our individual lives and we want freedom, uh, constitutional freedom. The moral conservatives said that there was something that was going to be lost in the expansion or the continued liberalization of America that would decay our morality. Um, up until this point, that fight hadn't been had out in the public square. Now uh, you, you're seeing a, a movement, even on the right, where the libertarian conservatives are realizing that it was moral conservatism that they were seeking the entire time, that they had a false premise that you could take the morality out of the public square and still have the human rights and freedom. But what we now see is that the authoritarian, uh, uh, the, the, the authoritarian energy and, and aim of the left, of the coalesced globalist left, is going to run roughshod over the, the libertarian middle. And they have to come home. And I say that because Ron DeSantis, you know, he's somewhat of a libertarian conservative. And I like him. I like him. But um, I would say that, you know, Donald Trump is still the only person in this country, I believe, that could get 78 million votes. Um, and, and so, you know, we have to play the game where we're at and, and that is where we're at. I'm not even sure if Donald Trump's support of Ron DeSantis in a presidential election could still get the voter participation, um, you know, that he could himself if he ran and who wins matters. You know, anybody who believes that this political process, uh, is, is benign or inconsequential doesn't understand how this country works. What do you think of my argument that if Trump returns to office, that it allows the Democrats to hide again what their real agenda is and just have a conversation about Trump, not their social engineering of all of these institutions, the attack on young people? I I, I think all of this has been able to come into focus post the Trump presidency because they can't just shout Trump when you question them on something. Well, 
look, I think we have to realize that there's a much more dangerous game being played with our human rights and, and our freedoms. Um, you know, the, the media is the, the main mechanism to manufacture consent, you could say. But they are being much more blatant about their, their designs and attempts to take our human freedoms and change the, the, the fabric or culture of America. Um, and, you know, they, they use Donald Trump as a scapegoat and they sprinkle that on the top for people who get their politics with French fries. But the root of it, the root of it is 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 much more complex uh, and, and it is it's fundamental in how law is processed. Uh, the, the the appointing of Supreme Court justices, uh, the school boards, you know, there are other fundamental processes that that will determine whether America uh, survives. I don't think we should be concerned with the left's ability to pin Donald Trump up as a scapegoat. I think we should rebuke and refute. I think we should bear witness. I think we should allow uh, a, a genuine organic counter movement to emerge on the back of Donald Trump's presence to, to for people like myself who came from the Democrat plantation, but but saw the lies. And when I looked closer, I saw more lies. And eventually I find myself on the same side of the aisle. I think we should let that process take place. I don't think that we should try and uh, dance around uh, the liberals any longer. We need to meet them right out in the middle of the field. I, I, mm, I, I, I don't think I can fully disagree with what you just said because perhaps I'm declaring mission accomplished prematurely and, and you're, you're arguing like, no, 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 no. There's far more work to be done and it's gonna take a savage to get it done. I'm trying to go to the refined uh, Ron DeSantis and you're like, no, we, we still need this lion, this tiger, the gorillas. We, 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 we're still in a, in a bloodbath and it's, it's, we gotta have a savage, I, I guess is what you're arguing. Oh, this fight has just begun. I mean, the, the beacon has just been lit. We, we are gonna be in a dog fight. 2022 and 2024, it's not a referendum on Democrats. It's not a referendum on globalists. It's not a referendum on the church of LGBTQ or the feminist movement. It's not a referendum on Black Lives Matter. This is a referendum on the American people. And when I say the American people, I mean people who are patriotic and believe in this country and believe in their citizenship. It's also a referendum on Christianity, okay, and, and or, or belief in God, Abrahamic faith, you could say. Um, this is a referendum on us. Uh, because we let it get this way. I don't want to I don't want to create this false premise where we continue to villainize the liberal. Le and I'm not saying you are. I'm saying as a as an American culture, even on the right, we have created this this narrative where it's look at what the liberals have done to this country. The bait and switch of it is, is that the Republican establishment was there for every single uh, turn. They they stood in a breach and claimed conservative values. But when, when push came to shove, they bent, they folded, they capitulated, some out of incompetence, some out of ignorance, some out of complicity and, and malice, you could say. Donald Trump was, was a beacon of light because 
at his own expense, he was willing to challenge the Republican establishment and all of the people who claimed they were protecting conservative values. And I don't know if when Ron DeSantis sits in that spot, he's able to, to carry a, a heavy enough or sharp enough sword to, to fight off all of the establishment powers that are at work. I mean, we have to realize we're not talking about the, the media industrial complex. We're talking about the military industrial complex. Okay, and the military industrial complex put a bullet in John F. Kennedy's head. Okay, I mean, these are serious, serious forces at work. And, and Donald Trump, I think, even had to had to bend to the military industrial complex some. And there is a huge neocon uh, faction of our power structure in this country. And, and I hope that I'm able to get close enough and that people that really believe in Donald Trump's message at its heart are able to, to continue to, to be around him and support him to make even further uh, tough decisions in the future, because all of the easy decisions and all of the easy answers are behind us now. My contention that the left is starting to cannibalize itself and that uh, there would be, if they had a target like Trump, they wouldn't be cannibalizing themselves. And so I'm talking, this Eric Adams, Black Lives Matter situation in New York is fascinating to me because I, I think, you know, there's a war going on. There's certainly a culture war, but I'm starting to see a civil war within the left. And, and again, I, I'm not sure if that happens if Donald Trump is still in the White House. Well, listen, you know, Newsom, you know, right here, right now, I would challenge Newsom to a public debate in any form, in any way that he would like to, to talk about the left, the right, America as a whole. Um, you know, with that said, I think I think there's some truth to what he's saying, because we have to go back and we have to consider that we are living in a time of double crosses, triple crosses, quadruple crosses. We have to go back and look at who who has Eric Adams been? And it's not to say that you can't change your position. We have to ask ourselves who in the position, who that is in the position they're in now is in it out of out of um, advantage to self in the superficial way or rooted in real moral clarity. And that's not an easy uh, that's not an easy thing to decipher for any person. What I will say is that look at look at Adams's response to lifting the vaccine mandate. Wasn't he the guy who said we can't lift the vaccine mandate in the city because it would send a mixed message? I mean, what is that? A mixed message. Either the mandate is constitutional and warranted from a scientific uh, pandemic standpoint or it's not. See, all, we, we have to reorient our standard and bar for leadership in this country, because if we're not going to, you know, I, I'm a lifelong athlete, for example, just to take us a different direction. I'm a lifelong athlete. Okay. Sports saved my life. It gave me many of the qualities that, that I'm proud of uh, in myself today. But it occurs to me now that the 24 seven, 365 commercialization of sports is a part of the distraction, the, the, the psychological highs and catharsis that, that has corrupted the American public. And I say that because we're in the NBA playoffs now, Everybody's everybody's talking NBA basketball. And I'm not just saying this because I have a, a history with the NBA that's that's controversial or contentious. 
we all find things to distract ourselves from the most important issues of our time. And if we're going to do that, if we're going to continue to do politics with French fries, the premium on leadership goes up exponentially. We can't have people that are straddling the, straddling the fence or opportunistic. And so I say that because I don't know where Eric Adams really is in his heart. I'm going to keep watching him. And I'm not going to let his, you know, pseudo civil war with the further left trick me into, into what the overall left is doing. I see them all as a part of a bait and switch three card Monty. And, and, and none of them are, are in a, a trustworthy place in my position because the premise of the left as a platform is that it's anti-God. Let's get right down to the nitty gritty. Who believes? Who doesn't believe? That's where I'm going to hold court. Because I genuinely believe in God. I believe in Christ. I believe in the belief in God as a mechanism to bring about moral clarity. I don't know where Eric Adams truly is in his heart. I know Barack Obama said that he believed in God, but I have trouble believing it in my heart. So all of these, you know, there are no easy answers to decisions anymore. Those are all behind us now. You made a reference about Eric Adams and the vaccine mandate and mass policy. And that's an area where I think some people uh, have some concerns about even Donald Trump as it relates to vaccines and his promotion of it. That's and right. and, and, I, and some people look over in Ron DeSantis and the way he handled Florida throughout the entire COVID uh, situation, the p pandemic, the past two years, and they say that was bold leadership, the way he went about the COVID thing. And they're look and people are confused. Like, why is Donald Trump seemingly a mouthpiece for big pharma as it relates to the vaccine? And I think it's a fair criticism to bring uh, one that I would bring myself. Listen, my, my advice to the right, is that we can allow the, the rising right-wing movement, uh, conservative movement, to be an echo chamber like the left. We can't mirror the left in being an echo chamber. We want the open dialogue and, and contention of ideas and the questioning of character and leadership. And we want people to come to the public square and defend their position without the, the silo of establishment safety or the silo or an establishment safety net like the mainstream has done for the left. Um, I can't speak to why Donald Trump had had gone about the vaccine situation the way he did. All I can say is that he and Ron DeSantis were in very different positions at that time. The information sources, the bureaucratic agencies uh, and the, the flow of data that surrounded Donald Trump in the White House in the earliest stages of the pandemic had just as much to do with the geopolitics as it did the domestic. And he had to consider all of those things. And we have to consider, is this a bioweapon from China? Is it maybe a bioweapon from another country that, that used China to, to, you know, false flag us into a war with China? Because like I told you earlier in the week, the way to bring about authoritarian control really quick is a, is a huge world war, right? Violence, martial law is, is going to be the outcome there or currency collapse. So, you know, I think Donald and, and, and Ron DeSantis were in different positions. But I still appreciate how Ron DeSantis went about it, and I think it was brave and courageous. That's that's totally separate from my belief in his ability to get 78 million votes and where he is on all of these issues in America as a whole. I love that he's fighting the church of LGBTQ. I respect Ron DeSantis. There's no doubt about that. But when we talk about who can win in 2024, 
I believe Donald Trump still has the best chance to win. Royce, I got to say, and literally, I wasn't expecting to say this, but I'm just saying, the more I talk to you, the more I think one day you could be president. And, and you know, I know you're running for the congressional seat in, in Minneapolis, and you're taking on Ilhan Omar. Uh, but I, I, I just, does the, do the people supporting you or the people in the Republican Party are they aware of how much upside there is in, in Royce White? I, I, I see very few people that can argue these things as effectively, as confidently, as passionately, and with the substance that you do. Because uh, again, you know, yes, you get to see what my monologue is about and what I'm writing about, but it, I can throw you any question. <laughs> You got an answer, man. And so, I, what do do you want to be? And I, I mean, you want to win congressional seat first. But do people recognize within the political system the the either the MAGA movement or establishment Republicans? Do, do they understand the opportunity that you present? Well, I just got here. Well, first of all, I don't really have lofty goals like that. I want to protect that which is most local, and that's the Twin Cities, that's CD5, but Minnesota is the 32nd state of the union. Um, and, and that's my first priority. And I want to help the, the genuine nationalist populist movement from my outpost here in, in Minnesota. Um, you know, I, I, so I don't have those lofty goals right now. Um, I'm new to this movement. I was a nomad. Right. I was I came from the void as an individual establishment fighter with the NBA and the corporatocracy. So I'm new to politics as a whole, um, but I'm not new to fighting for truth. Uh, that That's a 10 year process that's been building since I was 21 years old. I, I celebrated my 31st birthday uh, on April 10th uh, last week. So, you know, I don't know where the Republican Party is as a whole on me. I know here in Minnesota, I'm in open warfare with the Republican establishment as many American first candidates are across this nation right now. And what the mainstream media has done has, has amalgamated the entire right-wing conservative movement as, as an umbrella of Donald Trump. But the truth is, there couldn't be more difference between a Donald Trump and a Mitchell, Mitchell McConnell, or Mitch McConnell, right, uh, or, or McCarthy. Uh, so there's a civil war on our side as well, politically. And, um, you know, I, I, can't, I can't wait or hope for any support from from the political oligarchs uh, in the um, in the American political establishment, I have the support of Bannon. I respect Bannon dearly. He's a great friend. He's a mentor. He brought me into the populist movement in the public square. Although I had been a, a populist freedom fighter, you could say my entire adult life. Um, so so I'm just going to keep moving forward. Uh, you know, I think what I bring to this time, again, to go back to the beginning, is that black people. The, the tragedy or history of black people in conjunction with Donald Trump is being used as a scapegoat for authoritarian church of LGBTQ anti-human American politics and only God fearing truth allegiant black men can stand up and break that narrative. Just like I believe only truth believing God fearing Jews can break the scapegoating of the Holocaust on uh, and the justification of new world order and globalism. Um, so that that's my duty right now, to stand in the breach and say, hey, Barack Obama, we see what you're doing when you try and equate uh, Steve Bannon to, to Vladimir Putin. Uh, 
You want to make everybody who believes in populism and not globalism an enemy of the state. Well, make me one, too. I'm here for that fight. Hank Newsom, let's talk. I'm here for those fights. I don't want to be president of the United States. I, I want to be a, a leader of the free people of America. Thank you, Royce. Excellent job. Uh, I want to tell you guys about my good friends over at Good Ranchers. I don't know about you, <laughs> but I love eating meat. And when I do, I not only like to get the good stuff, I like the, to support the little guy while I'm at it. If you want to do the same, I've got the company for you. They're called Good Ranchers, and they only source and sell 100% American meat from local farms and ranches. You order it, and they send it right to your door, and it's just that simple. And guess what? Maybe every time you walk into the grocery store, someone's put a new label on the meat making it up, but that won't happen with Good Ranchers. Once you subscribe, your best price is locked in for life. Get your $30 discount on prime steaks and better than organic chicken. Go to GoodRanchers.com fearless to save on the quality you've been looking for. Use my code fearless and enjoy your box of 100% American meat and your $30 savings. Order now to combat inflation. Good Ranchers, American meat delivered. All right, stick around. Uh, we're going to bring in Professor D. Delano Squires. Erks. All right, welcome back. Uh, let's roll out to Washington, D.C. and bring in uh, the smartest man on the show, Delano Squires. Delano, I want to start here. Did you get to hear much of my conversation with Royce? Yes, I did. Oh, fabulous. Uh, because as someone who's been on this show and stated your, you want Ron DeSantis in 2024, <laughs> This is a great juxtaposition to what the conversation Royce White and I just had. And so I, I, I want to start there. What did you think of Royce's argument that we're in a time right now that we still need Donald Trump in office? It's not time for Ron DeSantis that, you know, we're in the middle of a, of a war that needs a savage. Uh, anyway, just any response to the discussion that I just had with Royce White and your position on why you prefer DeSantis over Trump. Sure. I mean, I get the, the emotional appeal of Trump. Um, he's the type of person that sort of elicits strong reactions, whether from friends or foes. Um, but to me, there's it's a couple reasons why I think DeSantis would be a better candidate. I do agree that we're in a fight. We're in a dogfight. So, and I'm not using those, those words lightly. The problem is that uh, for conservatives, we have to figure out what type of fighter we want. And to me, when I think of Trump, I think of someone, and, I, and I'm not a boxing expert, Jason, but let's, let's roll with this for a little bit. I think of somebody like, um, somebody with a, with a heavy right hand who can knock you out from any point in any place in the ring, but who has terrible defense. So yes, they make, they make Ernie Shavers, the Ernie Shavers. Oh, okay. You're talking about Ernie Shavers, great heavyweight, hardest puncher maybe in the history of heavyweights. Go ahead. <laughs> right. Um, 
So, so I, th- I think about so- someone like that, right? Who, again, he can knock you out from any place in the ring. Um, he can throw haymakers, and if he and he catches you, he'll he'll lay you down. But the problem is, when he overswings, he leaves himself susceptible to being knocked out. And to me, I see someone like DeSantis as a different type of fighter, and I'm using a different weight class, but someone like Floyd Mayweather, who uh, may not have the same power, obviously a different weight class, but whose asset, whose greatest asset is his defense. He leaves as little surface area possible for the opponent to hit as possible. So, so yes, the, the fights may not be as exciting, right? Because he, his highs may not be as high, but his, his lows also, also won't be as low as, as Trump. So, so to me, I, I think someone who's a technically proficient fighter is what conservatives need. And I, I, there was one point that you, you all um, brought up that I, I, when I was listening, I was like, oh, I, I know the answer to this easily. When it comes to Trump and vaccines, this, the, the example I'm going to give shows part of Trump's weakness. It was obvious to anybody who's paying attention. Um, his ego, his narcissism made him extremely susceptible to both flattery and, as it relates to vaccines, um, pursuing bad policy that makes him and his record look good. Because at the end of the day, as much as people may not want to talk about it, these are the Trump vaccines. Um, Operation, I think, Warp Speed was developed under his watch, under his administration. And there's no way that he's going to walk away from one of, if not his crowning policy achievement. Obviously, he got criticized early in the days of COVID. Some people say he denied COVID and all this other stuff. I, I don't buy that. A lot of people on the left and the right didn't fully understand what we were dealing with in March 2020. But Warp Speed is his baby, and he's not going to kill his baby. So that means if he is put on, has to choose between, um, you know, disc, uh, if, if he has to choose between criticizing his own policy achievements, right, whether that's the vaccine mandates or the vaccines themselves, their effectiveness, their efficacy, um, or standing with the people who say no, medical liberty uh, is, is part of being a free people, he's going to choose whatever it is that upholds his legacy. And, and that's one of his weaknesses as a, in terms of policy, but that's also one of his weaknesses in terms of character. And anybody who's ever spent time around someone who's self-absorbed and in many ways insecure, someone who says, oh, I like them because they say nice things about me, knows exactly how to exploit that type of person. Um, I've used dating analogies in the past, right? And as and I said, a, a guy who's a real hunter would know that if all he does is bring a woman a few Krispy Kreme donuts and she acts like he brought, you know, two dozen roses, he knows exactly the type of woman he's dealing with. That doesn't mean she's a bad person. It just means she's an easily exploitable person. And to me, you need someone whose who's character flaws in that, in that respect are not as open and obvious. So I'm going to go back to your boxing analogy. I love it. Obviously, I'm a sports guy. And so what I'm going to, I'm going to take the Ernie Shavers thing off the table and basically mm-hmm. say, you've called Donald Trump Mike Tyson. And you're saying Ooh. Ron DeSantis is Floyd Mayweather. Uh, I, I, yeah. I'd, call Trump, I'd call Trump Deontay Wilder, not Tyson. Oh, 
Is that better? <laughs> I no. I, well, no, no. It, it's not. Trump held the belt for four years. Uh, mm-hmm. De- Deontay Wilder had a lot of potential, and you're right. He, I think, I, I like your Deontay Wilder. That's relevant and 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 more now than you know some old school reference I gave. But I, I, I don't. That's <laughs> an insult to call him Deontay Wilder. I, I'm, <laughs> he held the belt for four years, and True. and again, <laughs> so I'm gonna call him Mike Tyson. Okay. And, and at some point, James Buster Douglas, uh, a.k.a. Joe Biden, uh, knocked out Trump. And, and you saw that Mike Tyson was never the same after mm. that. And so I think that's kind of your argument. The, 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 issue, the, the, the issue is I think Trump people and, and Royce would say, like, and you, want, you think Floyd Mayweather can sell the kind of tickets it takes to win the presidency, I again, I think what, what Royce is arguing is like, yeah, Floyd can sell 68 million tickets, but you need to sell 78, 80 million to get elected president. And only, only Mike Tyson can do that. Not, it's gotta be a heavyweight. And so, and the, cause Floyd Mayweather, and, it, and, and again, what he's saying is Ron DeSantis, he ain't flashy enough. People want to come see the knockout. And and Royce believes Donald Trump can still deliver the knockout. I think Trump supporters still believe he can uh, deliver the knockout. And if you can't win the office, it's, it's great that DeSantis, you know, is more professional, uh, you know, makes you feel more comfortable. But if he can't generate enough excitement in the fight, to mm-hmm. win the office, what good has he really done you? I mean, that, that's a that's a good point, right? And and if we want to continue the boxing analogy, I, I would just say um, one. I would say you know, Trump's issue, and and, and again, I'm I'm not. Uh, I said Deontay Wilder in terms of again, sort of technical proficiency. If we were talking football, yeah, mm-hmm. I would say Cam. I would say Cam Newton, right? Someone who you can evaluate. Another says, guy that didn't have. <laughs> <laughs> Another guy but, that but, didn't but, wear but, the belt, but go ahead. But 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 hear what I'm saying. I'm I'm talking about people who have extremely high ceilings, but also have extremely low floors. So you're you're looking at a person who, when you evaluate them, you say, oh wow, this guy's got a, you know, physically sturdy, huge, bigger than all the linebackers, great arm, but he never steps into his throws, and eventually that is going to um, determine how long his career lasts. He takes too many hits. He doesn't step into his throws. He's not going to be Tom Brady playing well into his 40s. He's going to be somebody who has, who crests and peaks quickly, but eventually is going um, to, to flame out. And that's, to, but, but here, here's, here's the other thing, the, the difference between Trump and DeSantis. What DeSantis is doing now is laying down victory after victory. So in, in that sense, I actually think he's, he is more like Mike Tyson in early Tyson years, I'm not talking about Buster Douglas, it's one week it's, well, a couple months ago, it's, hey, all the, all the, the police officers in New York and all these big cities, if, you're, if your mayor, your governor wants to defund you, come, come down to Florida, we got you. He was like Suge Knight, right? He's like, come down to Florida, we got you. That's public order. And this will tie into my column, that's public order. Then he took on 
the, the teachers, the teachers unions, the, the LBGTQIA plus lobby, and eventually Disney to push back on the indoctrination that was going on in schools, right? That's social and moral order. Then in one week, he gave you 70 million for a fatherhood initiative, an abortion ban after 15 weeks, more funding for um, uh, foster parents. That, that's, all, those, that's three policy wins in one week. And now he's circling back to Disney for a rematch and saying, look, if you all want to operate like a, like a political advocacy organization, then you're going to get treated as such. If you want to just sit here, you want to donate your money and say we have certain corporate values, that's okay. Do your thing. But if, if the citizens of Florida elect representatives and those representatives, again, who are duly elected, pass laws that reflect the will of this state, I signed those, that bill into law, and, and you as a corporation that's not even from here, you, you, you stay here, but you're, you're really from California. If your position is, we're going to work to overturn these laws that are passed by duly, a duly elected legislature, and you marshal the resources of culture through ESPN, um, media, the, 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 the corporate media class, academia, public commentators, to turn yourself against the will of people, the people of Florida, then yeah, we're gonna revoke one of your privileges. And, and we'll let all the people, the Mitt Romneys and the David French types have a, you know, a hissy fit about it, but I don't care because I'm, I'm willing to fight for the people of my state. And what I'm saying is that's the type of fighter you want. It's not just a person who's talking, it's a person who's delivering legislative and policy wins week after week after week. And to your point, Jason, and you made this point in your monologue, he's exposing the, the lack of depth and the emptiness and really, as you say, the, the satanic nature of the left's agenda. Because when he has Tony Dungy next to him saying, we're going to fight for fathers, it, it exposes the people on the left who said, no, uh, well, dads don't need more money. Uh, moms need more money, right? Same thing with abortion. Same thing. I forgot one, Jason. Florida just this week announced that per their, you know, uh, health and human services department and their, uh, their health director, public health director, Florida will no longer be engaging in social transitioning, medicinal transitioning, or surgical transitioning of transgender adolescents. That's the type of leadership that this country needs. I, without question, you're a, a thousand percent right. I think it comes down to your original point of Donald Trump's the wild heavyweight with a lot of upside. Ron DeSantis is the middleweight who's flawless in the ring. And, but, but I think what Royce is saying and what others believe is that this is a heavyweight fight. Heavyweights sell the most tickets. And, oh man, is Ronda, he's a skilled fighter, blah, blah, blah. But is he a heavyweight? Let, let me, before I transition to your column, let mm -hmm. me ask, what if, because of Trump's age, if he could get DeSantis to agree to be the vice president? And, and what if they operated a bit differently? Because I think the Democrats have opened the door for this in terms of, how much public speaking Kamala Harris does now, that now the vice president, the next one has the right and perhaps even the expectation to be far more visible, far more 
outspoken uh, than previous vice presidents who kind of just sat in the background and did nothing. Mm. What if somehow these two guys uh, ran together with Trump at the top of the ticket and DeSantis, DeSantis as his vice president? So two things. One, to, to sort of put a, a, um, a pin in the boxing analogy, as you know, Jason, matchups make fights, right? So it's not just, <laughs> is this fighter good or is this fighter good? It's the matchup. The Democrats have no one who qualifies as a heavyweight. Um, Joe Biden, again, I try not to disrespect my elders, but it's clear that he's in a state of severe mental decline. He, he finishes speeches now and he turns to the side and he sticks his hand out to shake somebody's hand and there's nobody there. He, he dotters around the White House. When, when Obama came back a couple weeks ago and he was doing what Obama does, which is working the crowd, everybody wants to talk to him, right? Everybody wants to be around him. Joe Biden looked like grandpa, you know, looking for a mint julep on a, on a warm summer day. So he's not a heavyweight. Kamala Harris has the public speaking skills of a moderately educated 11th grader, okay? She's not a heavyweight. No one on that side is, is Lennox Lewis or Vanda Holyfield. There's, none of those people exist. So, so what I'm saying is, it's not just the, the individual fighters, it's, it's the matchup to your question about pairing Trump and DeSantis. I don't think that's gonna work. One of the reasons is because I don't think Trump's ego would allow that to work. Because prior to, um, I, I, um, I'd say Dick Cheney was a different type of vice president. Harris is a different type of vice president because both of them, I think, had slightly more outsized power and prestige. Harris's is much more public. I think part of it is, again, everybody sees that Biden is in a decline. It's also the historic nature of, a, of her, um, you know, being on the ticket. Uh, Cheney's was because I think he was just a, a, sh a more shrewd political operator. But nobody was doing, Dick Cheney wasn't getting profiles in GQ, right? So, so my thing is, typically vice presidents play the background. And Mike Pence did that. He helped Trump secure the evangelical vote. But he wasn't out there giving speeches. I can't think of a single substantive speech that Mike Pence gave in four years. DeSantis is the type of guy, and you've, and you've told me this, Jason, in some of our conversations, right, where you don't take a soldier off the battlefield. And I can't see someone like him having, again, secured a number of victories as an executive in his own state, then coming to work under an, another aging president. And we've seen how that's gone for the last, I mean, year and a half to sit under an aging president and be forced into the role, right? He, he goes from three-star general in, in, his, in his state to, you know, the rank of sergeant or lieutenant under, under President Trump. So I, I, don't, I don't think that that dynamic would work. I think Trump does not, would not function well with someone um, who has as high or even nearly as high a stature as him. And the other thing, Jason, is not just what Trump would do with it, and again, this is where the character comes in, it's how the media would exploit it to foment the type of division that they would like to see, because what they would want to see in the Republican Party as the type of civil war that you and Royce were talking about on in the Democratic Party right now. Excellent point. I want to get to your column today about Ibram X. Kendi. And basically, I, I took it as he's undermining God's natural order. 
and that, you know, we need to recognize that and those of us that are believers need to adopt a more aggressive strategy to combat it, but you break down uh, your column today. Sure. Uh, so, so part of it, yes, I, I, talk, I look at Ibram Kendi and I do a profile in his ascendance, right, from relative obscurity to now the most influential um, faith leader and evangelist in this country. And, and, I, and I don't use those terms lightly. Kendi, his position, and he said this before, is that racism is death, anti-racism is life. So he is appropriating the, 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 the moral framework and the, the language that the Bible uses to, des, to, des, to describe Christ, right, where sin is death and only, you know, faith in Jesus Christ it, uh, leads to eternal life. Kendi is appropriating that for his own ideas. So he is an evangelist of his faith, the, the, the Church of Anti-Racism and Equity. Um, he has his sacred text, How to Be an Anti-Racist. He has a couple others, but I think that's, that one is the major one. Um, and he has a throng of disciples. And he has argued for his worldview in every area of our political and social uh, culture. Um, there are politicians who use his framework to decide how vaccines get distributed. Um, there are school districts that pay him $30,000 for one hour to hear him talk about anti-racist education. Uh, every sports league, every major corporation after George Floyd was killed was at first they were gravitating towards Robin D'Angelo. Then they realized how bad that looked, that a, that a, that a middle-aged white woman was eating off of the death of a, of a black man. So then they pivoted to Ibram Kendi, and then he became their spiritual leader, their, their, uh, their sensei, their yogi. And Jack Dorsey on Twitter, I think, gave a bunch, millions of dollars to his anti-racism anti center at Boston University. So part one of my column is this. Ibram Kendi puts to bed the lie that there should be or is a separation of church and state. He is a faith leader, and he applies his spiritual worldview to his uh, public policy pronouncement. Part two is Christians need to learn from him and do the same thing. And that they need to advance their own agenda, which I call the order agenda, which seeks to affirm and preserve moral, so social, um, natural, and public order. And what I, what I say is that we should take what Organizations like the uh, Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission, which is, you know, a, a Christian policy organization, another one called the Ann Campaign, they do a lot of work, you know, in, in urban communities and push the ball forward. Because, Jason, I'm sure you noticed this, on the right, a lot of what these organizations do is argue for religious protections. They want carve-outs. They want to be left alone. And their focus is on being winsome and being appealing to the left. The problem is that doesn't work because the left sets the definitions and the terms of public debate. So in my column, I say, no, the order agenda should actually advocate for certain things. When it comes to marriage and family, sex and sexuality, it should, it should use public resources to the extent possible to incentivize men and women, the only pairing that produces offspring, to get and stay married. So whether that's you know, the government sends you a $500 check after you 
you know, issue, uh, get your marriage license on the books and another one for every anniversary and provides incentives to go to, to marital counseling and gives you a little bit something when they, every child is born. Um, instead of the government doing what it's done for 60 years, which is to incentivize single women to have children and marry the government, it's no. Don't, don't just um, get what you pay for, pay for what you want. So that's, that's part of the agenda that I'm talking about. I also talk about education, I talk about public order. Here's the other, and this is probably the most controversial piece that I put in there. I think the order agenda should argue for the complete ban and prohibition on any LGBTQIA plus content aimed at children, period. So all those Nickelodeon videos where it's a pride parade and, and they package it real nice and they send it out to toddlers, that's done. That's over. We're not doing that anymore. Because the purpose of this is not, is not to shame anybody or blame anybody. It is to say, this is the type of public culture that we want to fight for as Americans. And our desire is to fight for the type of public culture that affirms life and can produce life. And that um, uh, affirms and preserves the order in all areas of society. So that's, that's the long and short of it. But I think that type of thing would require a different type of conservative. Because right now, the, the left has no limiting principles, right? Gender reassignment, abortion up to birth, n nothing. Next is the pedophiles and all the other stuff. They, they have nothing is too far for the left. The right's limiting principle is, well, we don't want to say anything that makes us look bad to the left. So while the left is saying to defund law enforcement, the, the right is saying, um, you know, we, we, we want to be the tone police. That's the only thing that they do. They tone police other conservatives. So you need to move people like David French, Mitt Romney, those type of guys right out of the way and say, no, it's a different day. It's a, it's a different battle. We, we, this is not, this is not uh, the Revolutionary War because yes, the, the musket is a weapon, but that was a time when people lined up in order and they fought orderly. This is guerrilla warfare. It's all hands on deck. And anybody who thinks that you're gonna win this type of war with a few muskets and the bayonets, they're in the wrong time period. Delano, uh, great job. I, 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 I'm now, when, I, when I'm done with today's show, my next commitment is to get you and Royce here in Nashville so okay. we can have a more, a longer substantive discussion between you and Royce, and I'll referee it, uh, <laughs> about Trump and DeSantis. Uh, that was awesome. Uh, thank you so much. All right, you, uh, listen, guys, I want to tell you about uh, First Leaf, and I'm going to tell it with a, perhaps a little bit of a long-winded story. Stick with me. First Leaf is a wine provider, and so here in the last couple of months, I've been giving a lot of thought to, I gotta be more social, I want to be more social. There, there were reasons when I left Los Angeles and moved here to Nashville, I was trying to move beyond uh, a relationship that just had me in a whirlwind. And so my mind is now more focused, and so it was probably Two months ago, I was uh, on my I was at my apartment on my elevator going up to uh, my apartment. Two very attractive women got on the elevator. 
Uh, I can't, maybe they punched the seventh or eighth floor. I punched the penthouse level. And, and they, oh, you live on the penthouse. And I was like, yeah. And, and, and says, oh, can we come up and see your apartment? And I was like, yeah, no problem. Uh, and, and so we get up there and they, we start making small talk and they mention how much they love wine. And I have a little wine cellar cooler in my apartment, refrigerator, wine refrigerator or whatever, but it was not stocked and it was not stocked properly. And I made a mental note. I have to be better prepared uh, if I'm going to re-engage in my social life and in the dating scene. And that's why First Leaf has been a huge uh, benefit to me. First Leaf curates and ships wines that are personalized to your taste, allowing you to discover wines from five continents and 12 countries. With their online rating system, not only are you being introduced to new wines, but each new First Leaf shipment is better than the last. First Leaf is so confident you'll love the wine, they have 100% satisfaction guaranteed. If you receive a bottle that isn't exactly what you're hoping for, First Leaf will credit your account. If you love finding and tasting new wine, First Leaf is a no-brainer. Join today, get six bottles of wine for just $29.95 and free shipping. Just go to tryfirstleaf.com fearless. That's six bottles of wine for $29.95 and free shipping at tryfirstleaf.com fearless. I'm saying all this because ladies, if you catch me on the elevator, uh, anytime now, I'm fully stocked with First Leaf. I got some of the greatest wine you'll enjoy. I'm prepared now. So anyway, I want you guys to try First Leaf. I've done it. They've shipped me the wines. I'm now fully locked and loaded and prepared. All you gotta do is stop me on the elevator. We'll be drinking wine within minutes. All right, Uncle Jimmy and the approval rating. Nerds. We must exist in a state of man glorious as we are protected by the red, the white, and the blue. But remember, the mind is the key. The fearless soldier pledges to place God first and foremost in his everyday endeavors of life. We, the fearless army, are one nation under God, indivisible with freedom and a belief in the American dream. The men bold enough to join our movement comprise what we like to call the new dream team. We are leaders of our families, our churches, and of this nation. We reject the seeds of division that are planted by corporate media misinformation. We affirm that all men are created equal and are endowed with inalienable rights, which are granted by our Heavenly Father. We are bound by honor to accept God's challenge, to take the flag and lead, to cherish, to protect, and to nurture the life of our unborn seed. I am a fearless soldier, so shed no tears for me. I am not a victim. I am the man that God made me to be.
Amen. All right, welcome back. Time for Uncle Jimmy and some approval rating talk. Yes, sir. Uh, uh, Jim, there's a couple things. I, I do want you to review the show because the show was very interesting and fascinating. I, I love the juxtaposition of Royce and Delano. Uh, but I did want your thoughts on, you know, me uh, and my attempt to re-enter the dating scene. Uh, I was wondering if you had any thoughts. I mean, after the, the segment you had yesterday with Shamika giving her dating advice, mm -hmm. uh, you know, I figured you were want. You have any advice for me uh, besides uh, stocking up on First Leaf wine? Uh, I would. I would just say that as you step out into the dating game, I would just stay in your weight class, brother. <laughs> stay in your weight class. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You know, Use I got, a football term. Don't outkick your coverage, brother. Don't outkick your coverage. <laughs> you know, I got a policy, Jim, that if when we're sitting in the car, if my elbow touches your elbow, there's too many fat people in the car. <laughs> I just don't do that. I'm just, I'm just sorry. There's only, there's only room enough for one fat person in a relationship. Look, man, I got, a, I got three rules. You can't weigh more than me. You can't have more kids than me. Or you can't be older than me. You can't hit any of those two. Okay, <laughs> more kids. I got, I got six kids. <laughs> I weigh two fifty. <laughs> you can't. You only can hit. You only can hit one. Got you. Uh, Let's go. What did you think of the show today? I, I thought it was tremendous. It was great. It was. It was good. Once again, um, your performance left a little bit to be desired. But as always, Royce steps in and does what he does. <laughs> you know, I, I, look, man, that's what I do. But I mean, honestly, you said yeah. something earlier. You said, you, you made the comment, and I was thinking it as you said it. You was like, Royce, you know, you could run, you could possibly run for president. And that's really true. It, it, after he runs this thing in Minnesota, he could easily be on the next step to making his move to presidency. You know, and, and, and if he does that, Surely, if he hits that, Delano can be the attorney general. <laughs> he, he, I mean, honestly. I forget his name. Eric Gar No, Eric, who is uh, uh, Obama's attorney general? Why am I forgetting the name? Anyway, keep going. Eric Garcetti. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, but no, I'm just saying that, man. I, I think it was, you know, I, I, I think that, that that show and and then you said up here talking about DeSantos and Trump. Hey, man, I, we, we, I think if you get Delano and Royce. Eric the, Holder. Yeah. I was close. I Eric somebody. Yeah. Hey man, you get Delano and you get Delano and Royce in the studio, man. We we might have some glass breaking up in here, man. <laughs> Cause man, Delano ain't scared, man. I I agree that that was. I got to get them in the same ring. That was a great little fight. That oh, you know, energy, Royce energy, synergy. Fired off first, and he's a Trump supporter, and Delano a DeSantis supporter. That was a great little debate. Uh, but but Delano did show his age a little bit. But because he, he, he compared uh, Kamala to Dick Cheney, there's no comparison there. Okay, you you do remember Dick Cheney went fishing with his friend and shot him in the face and nothing happened, right? <laughs> no, he ain't no G like Dick Cheney. Come on, man. <laughs> remember that now. I, I do. Kamala can't compare to that. Now. What did you think of him? Uh, Somebody, I compared Delano and I, I compared Trump to Mike Tyson. I, I agree with that. I wanted to compare him to Deontay Wilder. Well, and the, the thing where I agree with you that is, with that is, think about this. If Trump flew, if Trump flew 
uh, what whatever that was that Tyson was flying, just commercial, whatever. Yeah. And he had a fan, oh. and, and, you know, he had a fan doing what that fan was doing to Tyson. Hey, man, Trump would turn around and give you that business. <laughs> Honestly, I mean, he'd be like, Donald Trump was seen beating a fan upside down. Yes, I beat him and he deserved it. <laughs> so, yes, that's more right or wrong. All right, listen, just because you know how when you get old, uh, you, you pee know, on yourself. For, yeah, the first sign of pee, you have to <laughs> you have to react. You can't you can't wait an hour. Come on, man, let's uh, go. Man. So, let me move to the approval rating. Does that uh, happen to you when you go pump gas? No. It get me when you be pumping gas, you be like, I'm gonna see now. You've just extended it, but because now I gotta explain. Tiffany feeds me those juice green drinks right. And I heard you show. tell her. Yeah. Stop giving me those before the show. <laughs> I wanted to ask you why, but now the I can hear. Celery juice runs through. I, I can hear now why. Let's yeah. go, man. Uh, approval rating for Eric Adams, the mayor of New York City, who's in a beef with Black Lives Matter, uh, Jim. Uh, job performance for Eric Adams. I'm going to give him a 14. Crime's too high for me to go any higher than a 14. Hey, man. I do like him beefing with Black Lives Matter, though. You, I like the word beef. Hey, man, he's about that life. I watched him, honest to goodness, in a press conference following the subway shooting and they started asking him about his taxes in the middle of this and they said well are you gonna give up uh, divulge your taxes like uh, governor the whoever it was and he just looked at him and said no next question hey man he ain't playing with these people man I respect that you just told that long story because you want me to pee all over this floor all over this set door. I, I, I guarantee every one of these gems gonna have some long extended story no, it's not. <laughs> uh, character uh, you know I'm gonna give him a 15 the jury's still out on on Eric Adams I'll give him a 15 in character okay first I'm gonna give him a 25 and I'm gonna tell you four skill four score and seven years ago today our forefathers came to this country <laughs> Anyway, come on, man, let's go. Abe Lincoln has nothing to do with this. If that's what, come on, man. That what You're standing on right. Let's go, yeah. man. Come uh, on, man. Authenticity. Uh, I'm going to give him an eight. I, 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 his little attack on Black Lives Matter seems calculated and political to me. I give him a 19. Honestly, I'm sorry. I, cause I'm trying, I like how you jumped in. You're trying to hurry things up. Well, because you told me to, man. I'm sorry. Listen, I give him a 19. Time, Jim. No, no, no. Listen, <laughs> I think he's real. I think he wants to restore civility to New York City. And honestly, if you ever think about this, remember they said, when I'm alone in my room, sometimes I stare at the wall. And in the back of my mind, I hear my conscience call. Telling me I need a girl who's as sweet as a dove. For the ter- first time in my life, I think I need love. You calling this man LL Cool J? No, I'm just trying to make this go as long as I can. <laughs> I'm just trying to, I'm trying to see how long you can do this. <laughs> cool. well, we're finally at it factor. Uh, you know, he's the mayor of New York. He's king of Gotham. I'll give him a 16 in it, it factor. Honestly, on a very serious note, man, I give him a 20 for not falling for it. Honest to goodness, man. Because he's not falling for the okie dokes. Hey, man, we as people, we got to get better than this. Why are you moving like that, man? He's shaking my leg. Yeah, but look, we got to get better than this, man. Anytime you see the word, you hear the word cool, 
You can believe we're dropping that word coon about our people. Anytime on your Twitter, when you see that little coon dancing across your Twitter, some black person done put it up there. Hey, man, we're better than this. We got to come up with some more words to describe our people other than coon, N-word, uh, blackface. Come on, man. It's getting old. Let's go, man. Uh, so that means I have him at a 53 candle lit. Uh, you have him at a smoke show, 89. Yeah. I like him, man. I, I, I respect this dude. See how the producers are working with me. They started playing tomorrow. They know I have to go to the uh, ba bathroom. They're not holding long-winded explanations and conversations trying to make me wet my pants. You know why I'm laughing? Why? Because Tiffany's in the woman's bathroom and Corey's in the man's bathroom. That better not be true. That's that the better truth. Not be true. Uh, well, anyway, we're done. We'll see you next week.